evening and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We have got a sneaky, great show on tap for you guys tonight. A lot of football, a lot of training camp, a lot of quarterback news. Going to lead off in just a second with Anthony Richardson being named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts. Also going to get into the Jets some 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 concerns from other uh, from reporters, from coaches, and from the great Aaron Rodgers himself about hey, can the Jets' offensive line come together? Can it be one of the stronger units uh, of this football team to give them an opportunity to compete for what they believe they can compete for, and that is a Super Bowl title? I'll get to that in my second block. Also, going to get to later in the show. Um, really interesting. So from here on out until the start of the season. I'm going to be doing division by division. Today, we're going to do the AFC East. All four teams' strengths and weaknesses. I've never done this before, but I feel like it's really interesting given some of the offseason moves that has been made and training camp and how that's all been shaken out. We're a week into the preseason. Preseason week two starts tonight. Browns, Eagles. But I'm going to start with the AFC East tonight. So you got Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. Their strengths and weaknesses. I'll get to that later in the show. Also, at the end of the show, carving up the context, our midweek segment, new midweek segment, and it surrounds... One of my new favorite quarterbacks in the NFL who is just getting slandered today. It's not Dak Prescott. That's not a new favorite. But it's just getting slandered in the media today. I'm like, I don't, I don't like how he's being treated. So I'll get to him later in the show, carving up the context at the end of the show. And by the way, before I get into the Anthony Richardson topic, some impromptu, or I should say, an impromptu segment's going to be thrown right in the middle, given some news we just got, that Shannon Sharp is going to be joining First Take. This came in two minutes ago. He's going to be joining Stephen A. Smith on First Take. I'll get into that, the details of it, later on the show. Very, very interesting. Uh, this whole sports debate landscape has changed drastically in the last two and a half months. So looking forward to getting to that story later on. But first, Anthony Richardson is the starter for the Indianapolis Colts. They announced week one. He'll be going against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, this is a Colts roster, a Colts organization that is in complete rebuild mode. We understand that. Brought in a new coach, Shane Steichen. Drafted Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick. They've got some good young talent. But especially given in the, the state of the AFC today, Heck, even an AFC South that we don't look at as this juggernaut of a division. I think Jacksonville's going to be great this season, but Tennessee's going to be always, uh, you know, always be there in the mix. And of course, Houston's right there with Indy in terms of being in a rebuilding process. Them also having a, a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. Uh, Colts aren't going to make any push whatsoever for the playoffs. But Anthony Richardson is the starter, and I absolutely love it. I absolutely agree with this decision. I've been on the mindset for years now regarding first-round quarterbacks. Maybe not second or third-rounders. Maybe they need some time to sit, some time to develop. Maybe they're just flat-out not ready, and your expectations for them aren't going to be what they are of an Anthony Richardson. They drafted with the fourth overall pick, and we all know the incredible upside that he has. But I was thinking about him in particular and how, you know, coming out of the draft, if, if folks remember, I was on the skeptical side of Anthony Richardson. I wasn't the type of person to say, oh, he can't work in the NFL. We've had quarterbacks in the past. I'm like, I don't think they can work. Matt Jones, I don't think he can have a successful career, at least given his draft position in the NFL. There's, there's too many limitations there. Uh, in the past, um, a guy who just had a documentary, Johnny Menzel. Johnny Menzel was never going to be a great quarterback due to his lack of maturity, even some physical limitations in there. Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, Jamarcus Russell back in the day, it wasn't a physical thing, it wasn't an ability. It was a mentality. It was a work ethic, things of that nature. It wasn't a Anthony Richardson can't work in the NFL I just don't know if he's as developed as 
uh, refined as some of the other quarterbacks are. You know, like a Bryce Young, who our only concern is size, but mechanically he's excellent. C.J. Stroud, similar, you know, similar sort of fashion there. But you have the 52% completion percentage in college at Florida. One-year starter, essentially. Uh, you have some other concerns regarding, you know, again, going back to his accuracy as a passer. And, listen, this is Florida. I always call the SEC uh, NFL minor leagues, minor league NFL. And Florida obviously didn't have the roster that stacked up to an Alabama, certainly to a Georgia, even a Tennessee, thank God, or a, an LSU. Heck, maybe not even an Ole Miss. But the Gators went 6-6 six and six with Anthony Richardson as the starting quarterback, and now the Colts are trusting him to take them to a level that they frankly haven't been since, certainly since Andrew Luck and definitely not since Peyton Manning. But over the last couple of months, I've thought about Anthony Richardson. I'm like, okay, let's look at the bright side of things. Let's look at glass half full. Shane Steichen is a very good offensive uh, coach, offensive coordinator. We saw he worked with Justin Herbert. We saw how he turned Jalen Hurts into, again, this is the word I'm going to come around to in a moment, project into, is Jalen Hurts a top five quarterback in the league? I've got him right there at number five. Some people have him just outside of it. Some aren't bought in yet. But the fact that we're even having that discussion about Jalen Hurts, A, certainly uh, speaks to Jalen's work ethic and ability, but also to Shane Steichen's ability to get the best out of him given his unique skill set. I think he could do that with Anthony Richardson, although I talked about a couple of weeks ago when the whole Jonathan Taylor situation happened, that my concerns for Richardson's success in the league wasn't necessarily just predicated on on uh, on his ability or the, the Colts coaching staff uh, being able to get the best out of him, but upstairs. Jim Irsay, the needless distractions that he, along with some other owners in the league, caused with their respective teams, Jerry Jones being the most notable, you know, putting distractions in the way that really don't need to be there. Not to mention the fact that his strategy in treating players in negotiations is questionable at best. But I was thinking about the word that the number one word that has been described by, I think, skeptics like myself used to describe Anthony Richardson throughout the draft process and throughout this first training camp, this first offseason. Project. Right? He's a project. He's not a finished product. He's not a Trevor Lawrence where you plug in the NFL and he's ready to go. The same situation as a Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning didn't have a good rookie year. By the way, neither did Trevor Lawrence, but he was ready to go. He, he was a can't-miss prospect. You plug him in, he's an NFL quarterback. Not necessarily the case with Anthony Richardson. But I've always believed in, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, especially in today's league, you got to capitalize on that immediately. you got to capitalize on the fact that, again, look what San Francisco's doing with Brock Purdy. You've got to capitalize the fact that you've got a young guy, you're paying nothing, you're paying a lot to these positional players. Oftentimes, unless you're Kansas City and Mahomes is just as, as unique as any talent at the quarterback positions we've seen, you almost always have to have a quarterback on a rookie deal. I discussed this with my man Adam, uh, NFL AGL last week, shout out to Adam, uh, about how, you know, look, you've got to have a rookie quarterback in most instances on a rookie deal, not a rookie quarterback, a quarterback on his rookie deal and put the requisite pieces around him to be successful. So you have the money to pay everybody else, so you often get the best team. You're not asking the quarterback to carry you. Not only just that, I don't think it can be understated, especially in today's game, when college quarterbacks tend to be even more successful in the NFL because there are a lot of college offenses in the NFL, and especially with how the rules have changed. I think every game that you sit hurts your development that much more. And I think you could say that with Anthony Richardson. 
What do, not just the Colts, what does AR gain with Gardner Minshew starting at quarterback? What do the Colts coaches have to gain with starting Gardner Minshew at quarterback? They're already in rebuild. They already know they are not competing for that division. They are not competing for a wild card spot. We are going to view the Colts this year as one of probably the five or six, seven worst teams in football. Why not just play the kid right now? See what he's got. See what you can develop. See how he can get better. I think about project, and I'll use an example. I'll use a personal example for me doing this show. So I started carving it up live four years ago. October, October 21st, 2019 was my first show. If you go back, and it's out there, it's on Spotify, it's on these you know, these platforms, you can search, it's quite easy to find. If you go back and look at my first episode, heck, my first I don't know, six months, wasn't great. I mean, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, wasn't great. But I was better off, much better off doing the show, putting it out there, having people listen to it, getting that exposure, getting more confidence, as opposed to if I just did a year of practice episodes. That's not to say you shouldn't hone your craft. You should. But there are valuable lessons you can gain in doing real-life podcasts, real-life whatever you do. In most cases, again, in this, this space, in front of people, with people watching you do it, more lessons that you will gain that you probably won't necessarily gain doing it in a practice setting. That's how I view the Anthony Richardson situation. He's an incredibly talented kid. The upside is certainly there. It's a matter of whether or not he can meet it, whether or not the coaches can help him meet that, which I think they can, given their history. So the Colts love this move. Love the fact they're starting Anthony Richardson. They gain nothing by And I like Gardner Minshew. I've said Gardner's one of the better backups in the NFL. And matter of fact, I put him in that, I always say the Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton class of low-end starter, high-end backup. And Gardner Minshew, if you put him in the right situation, he can be productive for you but they don't get a whole lot close. The Colts don't to what they want to be in the future with him starting, I don't know, seven, eight games as opposed to Richardson starting, hopefully knock on what he stays healthy the whole season. Plenty of great quarterbacks. Most again, Aaron Rodgers, that is an anomaly. Okay. Again, and a lot of the fact that Aaron Rodgers sat for three years, is because he was sitting behind what the 10 greatest to ever do it. Brett Favre. And folks compare, Hey, what about Jordan love? Okay. Wh- why, why was Jordan love sitting three years? Aaron Rodgers was old. Aaron Rodgers became, at the end, a little bit of a headache for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers was a shell of himself a year ago, and they still didn't start Jordan Love. Why? Because they'll take an old, beat-up Aaron Rodgers over what they are crossing their fingers might be a good quarterback in Jordan Love. The fact that the Colts are showing this much confidence, Anthony Richard, that, that's something else, too. It boosts confidence. Like, hey, they believe me right at the bat. And there's a very good chance the Colts are going to play Jacksonville, and there's a very good chance Jacksonville's going to mop the floor with them. Jacksonville is a much better football team, a much better quarterback, more refined quarterback, a more proven head coach, better roster, better weapons, better defense, the whole bit. But it'll gain valuable lessons, far more valuable lessons from starting right off the bat and hopefully, you know, as long as he's healthy all season long than if he's riding the bench the first half of the season. You know, it's again, as I tell... And I've, I've quoted, you know, Barry Grant Jr. He's 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 given advice to others, including myself. Uh, you know, shout out to Barry, co-founder of the Grid, host of the All Even Podcast, and I've I've repeated it that, you know, if you want to go into something in the content creating space, especially if it, as it pertains to podcasting, my advice I've heard Barry say this. I'll repeat it: get a mic, get whatever you need to do to record, hit record, go. You are not the finished product now. 
That's going to come years and years down the road. Certainly hope that's the case that's the case with Anthony Richardson. As I've said in the past, I'm a Tennessee Vols fan. I do not like Florida Gator quarterbacks, Florida Gator players. This kid is as easy to root for as there is in the NFL. He's humble, he's hardworking, and he's coachable. Rooting for Anthony Richardson, rooting for the Colts, and I'm very curious to see how this continues to progress. But I absolutely agree with this decision by the Colts. Absolutely, 100%, no doubt about it. Uh, I think they're in a much better position for the future in starting AR right off the bat. Um, but yeah, l- listen, and like I said, you know, NFL season, I, I got to admit, folks, this is... Today's honestly the first day that I woke up, and there's always that one day in August, right in the eve of a new season, where you wake up and you're like, oh, bleep, crap, we're we're close. Like, we're, we're actually because all my football games pretty soon. Like, I woke up and it's like, dang, we're three weeks away. Uh, Chiefs-Lions is, is, is 21 days away, and... You know, it's obviously, I think, going to be a fantastic NFL season. Plenty of storylines, plenty of contenders, plenty of, of uh, teams that are in, in, in you know, rebuilding, that are, but they're still interesting. The Colts, one of them. I can't, Listen, I can't wait to watch Anthony Richardson this season. I, I, listen, I, I'd be lying to you <laughs> if I told you I watch every single game. I, I'm not going to watch a game if it's not interesting. I'm much If it's Gardner Minshew and Mac Jones, unless it's a standalone game, which they actually do have a standalone game, it's the morning game in, I think, Germany which Belichick has German roots there, so I think that's why they schedule it there. But I'll watch uh, begrudgingly, but I'll watch. Now that's Anthony Richardson, like, this is kind of interesting. Let's, let's see let's see how Belichick, Belichick has historically eaten young quarterbacks alive. Let's see how this kid fares against him. So I, I absolutely defend the Colts um, starting him right at the bat. Also, want to shift gears, want to transition to the, to the next segment regarding... Uh, established, I think, is a is, is an understatement regarding Aaron Rodgers. He's, of course, one of the ten best ever do it, four time MVP. And folks know I've been critical of Aaron in the past, and mostly as it pertains to intangibles, leadership, commitment to football. And in this off season, he has shown all three to have been. He's he's shown to to to, to do a complete one eighty on all three. At least this off season, he has. I don't know if it's just a a mirage. I don't know if it's. This is how it is in training camp, but if the Jets go on like a two, three-game losing streak in the regular season, it turns. I, I don't know. And listen, I'm not expecting Aaron to be like this optimistic, this happy-go-lucky if they do lose. I don't want him to be happy-go-lucky optimistic. I don't want him to say, let's ride after every game if he throws three picks. Like, I don't want I don't want fake optimism. I, I, listen, I want my quarterback to be real. Um, I just I just felt like it, Aaron was on too, too much on the pessimist side uh, for the last few years, especially regarding uh, his teammates. But... Again, you've seen a far more, again, optimistic Aaron, committed Aaron, uh, publicly raving about his teammates, Aaron Rodgers. But the one area of the Jets where he hasn't just gone on and on and on about his teammates is an area of concern, according to many reporters, many people on the ground at Jets camp. The offensive line ain't great. Matter of fact, it's probably pretty below average. And that is... Listen, there's concerns I have with the Jets. I, I've said, I, I've done, an issue in the trade was, man, I'm like, okay, the Jets maybe win an extra two games. They may sneak in the playoffs. Now I feel a lot more confident they that they will if they stay healthy. Uh, listen, the early part of their schedule is brutal. But the, the latter part, they should they should go on many winning streaks. That, 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 should be, that should be the case. But I think for New York, we know how great their defense is. Sauce Gardner, I think, is already... <laughs> One year in the best corner in all football. He's that great. Although he did get beat by, was it um, Kendrick Bourne of the Patriots today? Or 
That's Kinderborn still play for the Patriots. I can't remember. I just saw he got beat by Kendrick Bourne. Uh, but so got Quentin Williams on the defensive line. It's a tremendous defense. Robert Saul's a defensive coach, does has done a great job at that at that side of the ball. And offensively, look, Garrett Wilson had, had a fantastic rookie year, rookie of the year offensively with four quarterbacks starting last year. You had Flacco, you had Zach Wilson, you had Strebler, you had Mike White, and the guy was still productive. So you'd imagine he's going to be, he's going to have a special year with Aaron Rodgers behind center. But every team, no team is perfect. You know, I, again, I'm going to do AFC East weaknesses today. The Jets are in this, and I do weaknesses for teams going into the playoffs. No team is perfect, and this is their this is their weakness, and it's a big weakness. It's a significant one because, as I've said for years, an offensive line is like the air conditioning. You only notice it when it's not working. You don't appreciate it unless you know. You, you uh, we just had the hottest summer in the history of the world last month. I'm not kidding. That, that's not just me making that up. Nat NASA, you know, showed that uh, insanely hot July. You know, it's, it's, you'll notice the AC is not working either when you come in after a hot day and it's, it's muggy in the house, or if the air conditioning is just working perfectly and you walk in, you're like, oh, that just feels like heaven. You know what I'm saying? But if you're, I don't know, if it's an average uh, September day, early October day in, in here where I live, Tennessee, and it's yeah, 60 degrees outside, you're not going to notice the AC as much. That's kind of the same thing with offensive lines. And Aaron, historically, listen, I've criticized the Packers over the years. <laughs> so has Aaron Rodgers for not putting the requisite weapons around him that maybe other quarterbacks were getting. If there's one thing Green Bay knows how to do, they put together offensive lines. I mean, David Bakhtiari is still one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Speaking of Bakhtiari, by the way, if you noticed, um, Aaron, listen, he, 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 may have, he may have changed just a little bit, but... He's still got that subtle, slick way of sending messages. Aaron Rodgers put a picture on uh, on Instagram of him and Garrett Wilson. Okay. Yeah, it's him of Garrett Wilson. And he said, always love my 17s. It's Garrett Wilson, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams wore 17, obviously in Green Bay, still wear 17 in Vegas. Aaron Rodgers threw that uh, through that post in his own subtle way. I think he put it on um on, on on his he put like a tag button on Instagram on his butt on Aaron Rodgers' butt, and he tagged Bakhtiari, who's obviously one of his close friends for the Packers. Don't think that's just a little subtle way. Listen, we know Aaron has brought brought plenty of former Packers to the Jets. You've had Alan Lazard, you've had Randall Cobb, you've had even Adrian Amos. He's bringing all the Packers. All the Packers to the Jets. You sure that you know he's not trying to send a message to Joe Douglas? Say, hey, say, hey, hey, Joe. Uh, you know, could you use a left tackle? Not sure if Makai Becton is either healthy, if he has a confidence problem, if he has a you know whatever else, some mental issues, you know, regarding confidence. Sure, use you know we could put Becton on the right side and put my good old buddy Bakhtiari in the left, and you know we're we're in a, in a division. With Von Miller, with Matthew Judon, with Bradley Chubb, some of the better pass rushers in the league, certainly in the conference. By the way, too, remember this. If you look at the Jets' early schedule, if you look at their early schedule, not only is it brutal, but it's brutal in the sense of they are facing some tremendous pass rushers right off the bat. So they start with the Bills, Von Miller. He may be old, but he's very productive still. They go to Dallas in week two. Micah Parsons. 
Patriots in week three, Matthew Judon. Chiefs in week four, Chris Jones. At the Broncos. The Broncos don't have the, you know, their secondary is really more the strength of their team. Uh, I don't know if Randy Gregg is all that great a pass rusher. Then Philadelphia. You got Brandon Grand. You got Hassan Reddick. You got plenty of great pass rushers in Philly. Giants. You got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dexter Lawrence. Charge, uh, yeah, Chargers. Joey Bosa. I mean, Raiders. Max Crosby. Bills. Von Miller. Dolphins, Bradley Chubb. I mean, it really kind of only eases up when he gets the Falcons, Texans, then he gets the Dolphins and Commanders, Browns, Jets. Obviously, Miles Garrett, second half, second to last week of the season. That is, um, <laughs> that, that's kind of the gauntlet of pass rushers when you're talking about the weakness of the Jets. So if there's anything that you'll see, and again, like I said, Aaron is happy go lucky. He is just praising guys just constantly. He gave the offensive line a little vote of confidence today, talking about, I'm not worried. And he said, at least until the season starts, it's August. I think it was, it was yesterday. So he said, it's August 16th. We still got time to work things out. But trust me, if the Jets start 0-2, lose to Buffalo, lose to Dallas, which I think they're probably going to split those games, but one way or the other. But if they start 0-2 and Aaron's on his butt a lot, which he wasn't used to in Green Bay, Expect that to be a storyline going forward in the future over the course of the season. And potentially the Jets might go after. Probably not a Bakhtiar. I doubt the Packers trade him, especially with the young quarterback. And certainly an approve-it year for Jordan Love. But expect him to be aggressive in terms of going after offensive linemen. Certainly at the trade deadline. You know, in late October, early November, whenever it is. So this is, this is, this is a real thing. The Jets are strong essentially everywhere else. Now they just added Dalvin Cooks. So they've got a heck of a one-two monster in the backfield with Cook and Brees Hall. Uh, they got Uzama, who I really liked Uzama when he was in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. He's a productive tight end. He's just got to stay healthy. Receivers, you got Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis, some very productive players. Defensively, we know how, you know, this kind of speaks for itself in that regard. I think Robert Saul is a good coach. So they're fine. And obviously we know Aaron Rodgers expecting to have a bounce back here. I've got him as the seventh best QB in the league. I think he can win a Super Bowl with the seventh best QB in the league uh, if all the right pieces are together. And certainly he can lead them to that point. But you know, you, you you better make sure you patch up that offensive line or it could be a real concern moving forward for uh, for the New York Jets. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I, I, listen, I can't wait, especially at the Dalvin Cook signing. That week one Bills-Jets game, I mean, just think about all the storylines in that one, folks. First of all, now with the signing of Dalvin Cook, this is going to be like one of the lesser talked about stories, but it is a story. You're going to have the two Cook brothers. Is I know it's Dalvin for the Jets. Is it James Cook? Is it? I think it's James Cook uh, for the Bills, one of their running backs. So you're going to have two brothers facing off, uh, you know, two running backs. You've got, obviously, Aaron's first game as a Jet. You've got the Bills looking to bounce back after a rough end to a very successful regular season. Allen trying to bounce back off of a, a down season for him. You've got, by the way, Jamar Hamlin's first game back, and it's on Monday Night Football where the near tragedy occurred in Cincinnati earlier this year. That is two teams that have very high expectations, Super Bowl aspirations. Man, that that is props to the NFL. Obviously, they didn't know Dalvin Cook was going to be a Jet or anything, but NFL hit it out of the park with that with that game. By the way, too, I'm looking at, and this is real quick before I get to the next story. Um, I love college football. Love college football. Uh, and, and this is why I defend some of the conference realignment is because aside from the SEC, we kind of know. I mean, and Georgia's great, but we kind of know 
who's going to win the conference. It's going to come down to one or two teams. ACC, it's Clemson and Florida State. Uh, Big 12, it should be Texas, but it's Texas, so you never know. Maybe TCU kept, uh, you know sneaks up on them. Uh, in the Pac-12, it's USC pr- by a, pretty much a landslide. Um, Oregon, UCLA may give them some trouble. Um, so this conference realignment kind of changes that. And because of that, because of the fact that most of the great teams were in one conference, the SEC, you didn't really have that many big games to look forward to and be like, oh my gosh, I've got to turn on this game at noon. This game at 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern. I, I got to see this one. Heck, if, even if you're somebody like me on the East Coast, man, I got to stay up for USC versus, in the future, Ohio State. Man, I got to watch that game. Of course, they won't. They probably won't put that in the late window. They'll put that you know, on, on primetime. But the NFL's week one is awesome. The Lions, who I will continue to say, are going to the NFC Championship game. Uh, they're going to Kansas City to take on the champs. Kansas City at, at Arrowhead to start the year. Obviously, put the champs on opening night every year. Uh, then you've got uh, Niners versus my Steelers. I'm telling y'all, my Steelers are gonna make the are gonna complete the upset. Texans Ravens, which initially didn't look all that interesting, but Lamar to new offense and CJ Stroud making his debut for the Texans. Bengals Browns, no Joe Burrow. Big expectations for the Browns for Brown standards, I guess, and for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Bucks Vikings, I don't think is that interesting. Minnesota should hose Tampa Bay. Titans Saints is fascinating. Panthers Falcons, you'll get you'll have Bryce Young versus Desmond Ritter. Uh, Jags Colts again, like I talked about in the first segment, that's now a game. Like I want to see that. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a huge year and validate me calling him the third best quarterback in the National Football League. I want to see Anthony Richardson. He's, he probably isn't going to look great. A little bit of an overwhelming situation, but let's see how he looks. Let's see how he progresses over the course of the season. I want to see that. Uh, Cardinals-Commanders is probably the least interesting week one game. Uh, Raiders-Broncos, Sean Payton there. Big year for the Raiders. Dolphins-Chargers, Tua versus Herbert again. You'll have the whole Tua fans versus myself uh, and the other Herbert fans in that game. Eagles-Patriots, Packers-Bears. I'm interested to see that one for many reasons. Rams-Seahawks is moderately interesting. And then the Sunday night game, you got Giants-Cowboys, which is fun. And then Bills-Jets to cap off. Uh, Bills-Jets might be the best game of week one, to be honest with you. So that's props to the NFL. It was a great week one schedule. No question about it. Uh, Let's see. Barry Grant Jr. is in the comments. I hope you you know that I quoted you on the show, Barry. I I appreciate that. It wasn't idiot brain either. It was not idiot brain. Uh, Barry is about to segue me. I actually just threw this segment in. I mean, two minutes before the show started. I'll edit like the caption of of the the show and everything. He says, Shannon Sharp joins First Take every Mondays and Tuesdays. Worst kept secret thoughts. Well, I'll give you them in just a second. Because like I said, I I, I saw that. I'm like, okay, I have to talk about this in the show. Uh, Yeah, John Rivera says, let's go Jets and let's go Irish. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame will be interesting. Yeah, they, and listen, they they lost to South Carolina at the end there in that in that um, uh, in that bowl game against uh, the Gamecocks. But listen, they they a solid season. I, I like their coach. Um, it's tough to replace a guy like Brian Kelly, but they've done a solid job in doing so. So Notre Dame will always be interesting. The, Notre Dame rarely is just bad. They're kind of again, Notre Dame's kind of like not to you know. Beat my own chest as, as a pretty much the newest member of Steelers Nation, but they're kind of the Pittsburgh Steelers of college football. Like at their peaks, they're like they're great, and they almost never suck because they're a pretty well-run program. Uh, now they're not playing at a conference, which I anticipate changes within the next two years. I don't think in in the modern day college football, I don't think Notre Dame can just be an independent non-conference school. They'll probably end up joining the Big Ten, uh, given that they're you know. They're located, I believe, in Indiana. So that'll be a that'll be a real thing. 
Um, yeah, they, they rarely suck. So yeah, props the Irish. Okay. So I was wondering when this was going to happen and Barry is right in the comments. He said, worst kept secret. He is, he is (laughs) spot on about that, about the fact that I'm not kidding. Two minutes before I started the show, I checked my phone. Breaking news. Shannon Sharp is joining first take with Stephen A on Mondays and Tuesdays. So the whole, in the last two and a half months, the whole debate, morning debate format has just completely taken a huge shift. You got one guy coming from one show to the other. You got the other guy from that show adding new people onto his show. Uh, you know, established people in the business who I'll get to in just a moment. Uh, but as for Shannon, as for first take, first of all, again, I'm not shocked. Uh, we heard... Stephen A. Uh, on his podcast, which is a great show, by the way. Stephen A. has an excellent podcast, the No Mercy podcast. He said on No Mercy, I guess it was last month when the reports were out, hey, Shannon's like the most coveted free agent, um, you know, broadcaster, sports opinion opinionist in the in the business. He's the most coveted we've seen in a long time. And Shannon went on to his podcast, No Mercy. He's like, I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna BS you guys. I want Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is more than welcome to come to first take. And even Shannon was sort of flirting with it. I remember, I think he retweeted that particular podcast. It was like, okay, it feels sort of, it just needs to be some paper signed to make this thing official, some contracts signed. But he's with First Take now. So Mondays, Thursday, or Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, that makes sense for the simple fact that he'll be on Mondays to react to Sunday's games. He'll be on Tuesday to react to the Monday night game. Uh, I would also like to see Shannon, frankly, on Fridays to predict the, the, the coming week's games. Um, I think that'd be interesting. I think that'd, that'd be fun. Maybe at, at least bring on maybe for a segment. I know first take ever since they let go of Max Kellerman a couple of years ago, uh, they decided Stephen A decided to go to sort of this, uh, this feeling of host. Like he'll have uh, he'll have mad dog Russo on Wednesdays. He'll have, I remember back in the day, you said Tim Tebow on Fridays, like he'll have a uh, Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky and, and Marcus Spears. I'm talking about NFL, Mina Kimes. I'm talking about NFL analyst, obviously. And he of course changes that NBA season. You'll have JJ Redick. You'll have, Jay Williams, p- plenty of other people on that network, uh, very talented individuals. But Shannon joining first take. So first of all, I think this is great from a competition standpoint, undisputed versus first take, more than undisputed in just a moment. Um, listen, Shannon's a big personality. Stephen A is a big personality. There are areas where they agree, aka the Dallas Cowboys, areas where they, you know, where they disagree. Um, I'd love to see Shannon be on the show beyond the NFL season to talk NBA because we know he was really the first. Um, the first athlete to be on a debate show where he t- he he brought his 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 horizons beyond the sport he played. So Shannon can talk NBA. Shannon can talk boxing. Shannon can talk college football. Um, even a little bit of baseball. So like that, and and he really opened it up for other people in the future to be able to do that. And so props to him in that regard. So I hope this isn't just a football thing. Uh, as for so I think first listen first take's been number one in ratings for for a while now. I think for. Gosh, a decade maybe. Uh, so Stephen A's crush in that regard. He's the face of ESPN. As for undisputed, I think it goes without saying they're going to miss Shannon. Um, the fact that first of all they brought in Richard Sherman to be Skip's debate uh, partner. There was a report that said fifty to a hundred shows a year. So do the math. That's about the NFL season. So that'll I guess give undisputed time to figure out who's going to come in for the NBA season. Because uh, if if Richard Sherman was as not saying Richard Sherman can't talk NBA, but if he was as proficient at that as Shannon Sharp, 
my guess is they would have given him at least the entirety of this year to say like, hey, how does this work? The dynamic between Skip, Richard Sherman, the whole bit. Um, so he's going to be on for the NFL season. They'll probably find an NBA player, coach, somebody to be on the skip uh, after the Super Bowl's over. They brought in Rachel Nichols, very established journalist in this space. She's going to be the moderator of the show. Uh, has done a great job, has been successful with ESPN, post ESPN, uh, with Showtime Sports, with Stax, Stephen Jackson, and Matt Barnes. Um, and they've got it, you know, got, by the way, Keyshawn Johnson potentially joins uh, as well. Keyshawn, I think, is, 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 is a very good analyst as well uh, with ESPN and now potentially, not official, with Fox Sports, potentially with Undisputed. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I think it's been pr- – I made it pretty clear that uh, – because I talked about the whole Skip and Shannon quote-unquote divorce from TV during the finals, so a couple months ago. And uh, l- listen, I think Skip is – I think, you know, as I always say, there's two things that can be true. I think Skip is the godfather of sports debate. Now, whether that's for better on some occasions, not just talking about Skip, I'm just talking about the entire space. Whether that's for better or for worse, for better, because it's opened it up for shows like mine, shows, more debate-style shows, to have heated discussions, heated debates about LeBron and Jordan, about the Cowboys, about Tom Brady, like all these big topics going on in the world of sports. LeBron James, uh, individually, wherever he plays. And so I give him credit in that regard. And I think it's changed sports, uh, the sports media landscape for the better in that regard. And something else can be true in that because folks say, oh, Skip has bad takes. Folks, everybody has bad takes. Skip probably has more bad takes than others, but I've had bad. Folks, I had the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. Everybody has bad takes. I could care less about that. Um, because he's not the only one in that space. Like, frankly, we all do. If you put yourself out there long enough, you're gonna have a bad take or two. It's the fact that within the last year, and it's been well-documented, especially since they quote-unquote split, there has been a disconnect between Skip and Shannon Sharp. There was a whole situation. Again, folks refer to the DeMar Hamlin situation when Skip put out the, at best, insensitive tweet about DeMar when he collapsed on the field, was given CPR, and Shannon didn't show up for Undisputed the next day. Skip did the show solo. Shannon showed up the day after that, and they had this... Uh, you know, he had exchanged the first couple minutes of the show when Shannon was making a statement, Skip cut him off. Shannon was frustrated at that. And Shannon was like, okay, screw it. Let's just do the show. And but I don't think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I really don't. I think that was just sort of a, an addition onto previous incidents. I think the Tom Brady discussion, when the Bucks got blown out by the Niners late last season in December, that to me was what did it. The fact that they were arguing about Tom Brady. Skip was defending Brady for his poor performance. Shannon was saying, hey, Tom didn't play well. Give him give him a little bit of the blame. And Skip turns it into, and it wasn't the first time he's done this. I've watched Undisputed ever since the show started. Skip goes into this whole, uh, you know, he, you're just jealous of him because you had to retire. I think he was 35, Shannon was when he retired. Tom, that was ended up being his last season, retired at 45, and you're jealous of him because you haven't played this long, and you're just hating on him because you're jealous and all that. And, 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 and uh, you know, he's taking shots at Shannon. Shannon's like, time out. You will take a personal shot at me to defend him. My, I'm like your, 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 your brother on air debating sports for the last six and a half years. And Skip's like, yeah, I, I am going to take a shot at you to defend him. And Shannon's like, okay. Right, that's." And we heard the buyout happened, or at least agreements to the buyout happened right before the NBA Finals started. They covered the Finals, and then the day after the Nuggets won the championship, Shannon dipped. That was it. So it's no longer Skip and Shannon undisputed. And I think the fact that Skip is – it's funny. I actually talked about this on Monday's show when I was talking about James Harden. 
that there is a very fine line to walk when it comes to not giving your opinions. I don't think you should have any, I shouldn't say any filter. Uh, I don't think you should be hesitant in giving your opinions. I don't. I, I don't think show, I, I think the, the audience can tell if it's inauthentic if you do. But there is a fine line when you are talking about somebody's mentality, somebody's work ethic. There's a fine line in you can criticize that. And pl- trust me, many athletes I have. I call Anthony Davis, coin flip Davis for crying out loud. And turning it into an attack on their character. I mean, I saw Skip the other day. The other day in his podcast was talking about how Dak Prescott is insecure and he's in in able unable to be the leader of the Dallas Cowboys and he's he's jealous of Micah Parsons again some of this with no factual basis whatsoever and it gets to the point where it's like what are you trying to accomplish through this this is more than just giving your opinion this is more than just having a hot take you could argue that 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 term hot take was sort of maybe not coined by Skip Bayless, but used as a word to describe Skip Bayless's opinions. I've had hot takes. If you have a show, you've had hot takes. Like we all have. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what are you hoping to accomplish by doing this? By taking certain shots at certain guys? By what are the shots in particular? Do they go beyond uh but beyond the playing lines? Do they go beyond leadership intangibles? And they get to, you know, I don't like this person. That's the question you have to ask. And so I think it's undeniable that the fact that Undisputed has had to bring in these many people, and by the way, I'm not saying the show won't be successful. I don't know how it's going to be. we got to wait and see as the NFL season progresses because that's when we know is when all these shows get their highest ratings because the NFL is the king of television. We are going to have to wait for the coming weeks, months. What are the ratings going to look like uh, for, for these shows? How's Undisputed going to look? How's this new dynamic going to work? By the way, Lil Wayne, by the way, all one of the greatest rappers ever, Skip's uh, very close friend. He's going to be on Fridays. How's that going to work? Skip, he's, he's been on that show before, so I think he'll do fine. But you're having to bring all these different people, all these different faces. Just replace one man. As I talked about, when that show started, when Skip, he, he said, I'm, I'm not doing the show unless Shannon Sharp's my partner. And, and when the show started, we knew who Shannon Sharp was. He's one of the greatest tight ends ever. We didn't know how good he was as a broadcaster, certainly in the debate space. And it turned out, dang, Skip had a pretty good eye for talent because Shannon was a not a star, a superstar. And as time got on, it was Shannon's star that outshone Skip's. And that's where I think the problems came from. That's just speculating from the outside, but that's where I think there sort of became that disconnect between those two. So I hope Shannon crushes it on first take. I think he will. Um, by the way, ESPN added Pat McAfee. They just announced his show starting, I think, September 7th on the network. Pat McAfee's great. Incredible content creator. One of the best. Um, so yeah, like I said, the, my only complaint with Shannon joining first take is I wish he was on Fridays. I think Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays would work great. Um, I mean, frankly, I like to see Shannon every day. I mean, that's uh, he's that great of a talent. But if he's just going to be on for a certain schedule, that's the schedule I'd like to see him on. Um Undisputed, it's a wait and see. But what is not a wait and see is they've had to use this many people. By the way, this many talented people. Richard Sherman's been great on TNF, on, on, on Amazon Prime Video doing the Thursday night halftime uh, shows. This Rachel Nichols has been a very successful journalist over the course of her career covering the NBA. You know, Lil Wayne, we, his resume speaks for itself. We know who Lil Wayne is. Keyshawn Johnson's proven to be talented in this space. All of these people to replace one dude. 
it's it's intellectually dishonest to just ignore that fact. So I'm interested. I can't wait to watch both. I can't listen. Stephen A and and Shannon. Oh my gosh! You again? You want to buy fireworks? Can't wait. That that's going to be a blast to watch. And so and then for undisputed. Listen, if they prove me wrong and Undisputed becomes bigger than they were with Shannon, I'll be the first to come on Carving Up say, you know what, guys? I was wrong. We'll just see. I'll wait and see. I don't have one opinion one way or the other. Let's just see how it works because it's a, it's a format similar to First Take. There's been reports you know, coming out over the past couple months since Skip and Shannon split that, hey, certain individuals want to, don't want to work with Skip. Uh, certain individuals Skip doesn't want to work with. Um, we'll see, but I think it's very fascinating. Very fascinating. I don't know. Hope all that made s- <laughs> Hope that all that made sense. Um, so let's see. Do we have any, cause I, cause I've had a ton of notifications coming across my phone. Some of that from, uh, okay. So this is just talking about, let's see, do we have more news? Cause there's an article here, uh, from Dov, uh, from Dov Kleiman, who's one of the best front office, or I shouldn't say front office, um, one of the best uh, you know sports entertainment sources that there is. He he, he does a great job. Uh, let's see what what has he got on the Shannon Sharp signing. Okay, so all right, so according to New York Post's Andrew Marchand and Ryan Glashpigel, uh, Sharp will bring his insights and expertise to the show's discussions on, fr- on Mondays and Tuesdays during the upcoming football season. The addition of Sharp is expected to introduce a new dynamic to first take, pitting the Hall of Famer and three-time Super Bowl champion against the charismatic Stephen A. Smith. Uh, just talking about how it would be a great duo, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Okay, so it not only will Sharp be gracing television screens, but he is also anticipated to secure a new platform for his immensely popular podcast, Club Shay Shay. Uh, with his wealth of expertise and insights as a former NFL player, his podcast is likely to continue attracting a wide uh, audience of sports enthusiasts. Enthusiasts, I think Shannon is great on TV. His podcast is one of the best in the world. It's excellent. First of all, like, it's great guest. Uh, the, the interview we had with Steve Harvey, because I'm a huge Steve Harvey fan, um, that was one of the better interviews that I've seen. It was great. Um, it was like two and a half hours. I could have gotten a two, more two, two, two and a half more hours. It was excellent. Uh, Okay, all, all, okay, all this article really did was just describe Shannon and talk about, you know, talk about how, you know, the addition to him, him and ESPN and how he left Skip. He's with Stephen A. So not a ton of uh, news that uh, I just read that we don't already know. He's going to be on first take, Mondays and Tuesdays, and we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to see. Let's see. Uh, Barry comments. Here's my question for you. If Stephen A. went to a broad panel after Kellerman and now Skip is doing the same, why is the narrative that Skip needs to use all of these people to replace one man? That's a completely fair question because um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Max Kellerman fan, and it's, it's, and it's not just for – if I can find it here. It's not just for his uh, iconic quote and great quote. And the one thing we all will remember Max Kellerman for other than boxing. I want Iguodala. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I love Max just for that. Um, I guess what I would say to that, Barry, is Max leaving reportedly had nothing to do with a power struggle between Max and Stephen A. 
Stephen A, and he's he talked about this on his book. He's talked about this publicly in interviews. By the way, his memoir uh, is, I think, Straight Shooters, what's called, is tremendous. I highly recommend it. But he's talked about how he wanted to go to the to the more broad uh, panel sort of show to highlight some of the younger voices, some of the younger talents at ESPN. Again, I, I've mentioned plenty of them. Dan Orlovsky, Mina Kimes, Marcus Spears, uh, Ryan Clark, who's tremendous. I love Ryan Clark. Um, he's brought a mad dog for Wednesdays and JJ Reddick has really grown along with his podcast has really grown a big audience, a big listening, including myself through first takes through some of his appearances. So, um, I think that's the difference between the two is that the split between skip and Stephen a nine months ago, I don't think was going to happen. Maybe nine months is cutting it too close a year ago. I don't think was something that was just in the cards, something that. And I, I can't read Shannon's mind. This is complete speculation on my part. Uh, but I don't think it was something that was just going to be – it was going to happen at some point. Like, it wasn't like somebody's contract is fine. This was a buyout. Like, first take didn't move – undisputed didn't move on from Stephen A. First take, for their own reasons, moved off Max Kellerman. Stephen A sort of moved on Max Kellerman. This was a situation where Shannon's like, man, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to buy out. See what my future looks like beyond undisputed. I think that's the difference between those two. But it, that is a completely fair question to ask. I, 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 that's completely fair. Um, and again, it's, it's, see, and I like the panel type show. I still, though, think there's a level of if two people work together, and there's no question Skip and, and Shannon did. There's no question. Uh, at their peak, they were the debate show of television. First take might have been getting better ratings. I think Skip and Shannon worked better as a duo than Stephen A. and, and Max Kellerman did. Um, so I, I like there to be the sort of uh, building camaraderie and chemistry between two co- uh, two hosts as opposed to just the panel. I think First Take might actually kind of strike that balance. We don't know if Stephen A and Shannon are going to work. The last – they were on TV together, uh, though, years ago. Shannon used to be like a a uh, contributor to First Take. He used to be on on the show with Skip uh, and, and Stephen A. So, yeah, he, he he's been on there before, so – That'll be fun. I can't wait to watch. I, I listen. Here's the next news I want to know: When Shannon be on there? You know, what, is it first week of the season? Because that's when Pat McAfee launches his show. He's launching a show the day of opening night in the NFL. It's gonna be a blast. Can't wait. Okay, so like I said, that was an impromptu segment. I saw that news come across my phone two minutes before we went live, and I'm like, okay, I'm talking about this. I have to talk about this. So moving back to our regularly scheduled programming. So this is going to be a segment that I do. Every day, every show, by the way, glad I said that. End of the show, I've got a, a special announcement from a schedule standpoint on Carving Up Live after carving up the context at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. You'll definitely not want to miss it. Very, very important for those who watch the show live. So I'll, I'll get to that a little later. Um, but every day before the start of the NFL season, so in total eight shows, I will be giving my biggest strengths and weaknesses for every NFL team, and I'm going to do it division by division. So today, anytime I do my prediction show, and I'll do my prediction show on opening night, it may be live, may not be live, we're still trying to hash that out, but I usually start with the AFC East, and I'm I'm not deciding should I go AFC East, AFC North, or AFC East, NFC East, and sort of go back and forth. But today, and it's fitting because I just talked about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets' offensive line and how that's a perfectly legitimate concern Uh, I've decided to start with the AFCE. So we can get the background music going here. For our... We're going to start 
with the team that won the AFC East a year ago and the year before that and the year before that, it is the Buffalo Bills. Their biggest strength, the thing that makes them great. Allen, Josh Allen, is capable of going toe-to-toe with the league's elite quarterbacks. I think his resume in that regard certainly speaks for itself. The first thing, of course, comes to everybody's mind is that incredible divisional performance where it was Kansas City, it was Buffalo, Allen Mahomes going blow for blow. It felt like whoever's going to possess the ball last was going to win the game. It ended up being Mahomes. Got the overtime rules changed. Uh, don't love the change, but I'm, I can live with it. But that's how great those two are just going back and forth. It was one of the great quarterback performances, I think, in the history of the National Football League. Quarterback duels in the history of the National Football League. He's shown that he can go toe-to-toe with He's beaten Aaron Rodgers in the past. Again, he's beaten Mahomes, uh, 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 you know, a couple times. So this is a, this is a guy who, listen, he had a rough season a year ago. I understand that the interceptions were a big problem and the fumbles as well. I think he had thirty. I think it was combined fumbles and interceptions. It was like in the thirties. So he was very loose with the football. Um, some of that's going to be reflected, by the way, in the Bills' weakness. But listen, he's a remarkable talent, probably the best arm in the league. Accuracy has improved dramatically since it came to the NFL. He was like a 50% completion guy. Now he's a worst-case 65% completion guy. Uh, he's incredibly mobile. So listen, he's obviously the strength of that team. That team goes absolutely nowhere without him. Uh, so so Josh Allen is, listen, when if, if, if Buffalo gets in the playoffs and they find themselves up against the Kansas City or Cincinnati or New York Jets... They know that if their guy is on, if their guy is playing his best, he can go toe-to-toe with those guys, in some cases beat those guys. That's the Bills' biggest strength. Their biggest weakness, however, though, does you know revolve to a certain degree around Josh Allen, but it's not completely his fault. Their weakness. Offensive line and lack of depth at receiver forces Allen into being Superman. That's actually a nickname that Tony Romo gave Josh Allen uh, during... Was it the Kansas City-Buffalo game? The regular season game last year, I think it was. Uh, it forced him to be in Superman. We know Josh Allen's a great talent with his arm, great talent with his legs. But he doesn't necessarily have to make spectacular plays every play. Not even Mahomes does that. Like, Andy Reid is, is one of the best. Forget just Mah- with Mahomes with anybody. And he's obviously given Mahomes more freedom than he would other quarterbacks because he's more talented. But Andy Reid is a, is a master of... Putting quarterbacks in a position where it's it's as easy as it can be, at least as easy as it can be for, for an NFL quarterback. Not easy in the sense of the word, in every sense of the word. Buffalo really doesn't do that. Certainly since Brian Dable left to become the head coach of the New York Giants, that Bills offensive line, folks, is probably bottom 10 in the NFL. It has struggled. And I've talked about the Jets offensive line particularly str- potentially struggling this season against the likes of some of the better pass rushers. The same can be said about the Buffalo Bills in that very same division. The Jets pass rush with Quentin Williams. The Bills pass rush with Von... I'm sorry, not the Von, Von Miller plays for the Bills. The Patriots pass rush with Matthew Junon. The Dolphins pass rush with Bradley Chubb. And that's a serious concern for Buffalo. And the fact that, aside from Stephon Diggs, and I I really liked Gabe Davis going into last season. There was uh, He kind of regressed, in my view, just a little bit. Um, their receiving core is really, really thin. I mean, really thin. I like Trenton Sherfield. I like him more as a four than as a two, as a three. In some instances, a two, if God forbid there's injury. If Stefan Diggs twists his ankle and is out three weeks, I know they drafted Dalton Kincaid, and I really like that kid. He's a, a good, solid tight end prospect. Man, that, that offense could struggle bad, and especially in a division like that where everyone's going to matter, that could that could sink the Buffalo Bills this season potentially. I'm not that high on them as a contender, more just as a playoff team at this particular moment in time. To the Miami Dolphins, their biggest strength is, if healthy, 
there won't be a Sunday where their top two receivers aren't better than the opponent's top two corners. That goes without saying. Tyreek Hill might be the best receiver in the sport. I think he's number two behind Justin Jefferson, but he's, he's certainly top two. Had a fantastic season a year ago, despite some of the quarterback turmoil with Tua being in and out of the lineup due to due to concussions. You have Jalen Waddell, who's, I think, a number one by himself. So now he's your number two receiver. That's that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for whoever is the opponent's you know, number two corner. You could put Scott Sauce Gardner on, on Tyreek Hill. Who are you going to put on, on Waddell? Like that's again, my now Miami too. By the way, it should be noted they've dealt with some serious injuries during training camp. J, uh, Jalen Ramsey is out till December, and they just got some bad, bad. I shouldn't say bad news, but we'll see what the news is in the future regarding his injury. Their left tackle Teron Armstead went down today and put no weight on his bad leg. If he's God forbid, knock on wood for him. If he's if he's gone for an extended period of time, that could be devastating to a Dolphins offense that is as talented as any in the league. Certainly skill position players that are as talented as any in the league. But those two guys, if they're healthy, you can't, you can't cover them. You can't cover them. If you, if you put your best guy in Tyreek Hill or even double Tyreek Hill, then Waddle's going to go off and vice versa. Uh, so that's, that's certainly a, a huge asset the Dolphins have. But their biggest weakness, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. To his health and his consistency when healthy. So, two, we got to cross our fingers again, knock on wood, that he stays healthy throughout the course of the season. He obviously struggled badly with the concussions a year ago, became a topic of concern, not just with Tua, but the NFL, concussion protocol, the whole bit. But uh, especially as, as, as health and concussions are evaluated in, in the league, but when he's healthy. So he got off to that hot start. Played very well against the Patriots week one. Played amazing against the Ravens in week two. Um, thought his performance is a little overstated, but he played well. Uh, week three, played fine against the Bills. Fine, given the fact that he probably had a concussion in the second half. And never quite got back to what he was those first three weeks of the season. Played well in some games. Not going to poo-poo on. The, the guy's a solid starter in the NFL. He's, he's around that sort of fringe Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins territory. Like, that's the way I think, too, is it. He's like the... 14th, 15th best quarterback in the NFL. But consistency. He was, by all accounts, he was healthy for the Niners game and looked bad. He was, by all accounts, healthy against a Chargers defense that missed six starters. Might have been the worst game of his career. So there were some games in the Green Bay before he suffered a concussion that game. Aside from one throw to Jalen Waddell, uh, not, 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 not all that great. So I, I listen. I really like Tua coming out of the draft. I was skeptical about him, or skeptical on him after his first year. Some size issues, some arm strength issues. Again, I like him. I think he's good. I don't think he's ever going to be a franchise guy. He could prove me wrong this year. Certainly, no question about that. But that's the biggest question for the Dolphins going this season. Our next team, the New England Patriots, folks. I really struggle to find a strength here. I'm like, okay, there's, there's, this, it's got to be somewhere. They're, an, they're an NFL team with NFL players. There's a strength somewhere, and I found it somehow, some way. I did. Belichick's defense gets to the quarterback and takes the ball away. The Patriots' pass rush and secondary, not just their secondary, their defense as a whole was top three in sacks and turnovers. So, listen, Bel. I've always said Belichick is doesn't or gets far too much credit for the whole greatest coach everything i think that's ridiculous if you look at his history without brady as opposed to an andy reed who isn't the greatest coach ever but andy reed's been darn, pretty darn successful minus mahomes he's been incredibly successful with him as one might imagine but if there's one thing about belichick dude's always going to feel a good defense he's well he's probably the greatest defensive coach in the history of the game 
No doubt about that. Matthew Judon, as I mentioned numerous times in the show, brilliant pass rush. I think he had 15 sacks last year. I think the Patriots had another double-digit sack guy a year ago. Lawrence guys solid on their interior defensive line. Uh, de- defense on the secondary. They got some good players. I love the kid they added out of Oregon in the draft in the first round. So, that, listen, they had a solid draft defensively. They were really bad defensively, but that's their strength. Uh, their weaknesses, I, there's there's plenty of those, but I think this it's, it's kind of obvious. If there were a quarterback whose name was limited, oh, they got him. They 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 they, they got him. Yeah, if you could name a if you could name a human being limited or first name limited, last name quarterback, yeah, that's um that's football for Michael McCorkle Jones. Like that 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 he's limited. Below average arm doesn't move well in the pocket, has showed some serious uh, leadership issues last year in regards to his temper. I mean, dude was losing it on receiver. It's like, dog, could you throw an accurate pass? Maybe it's on you. Maybe all this and just your receivers. But by the way, New England's receiving core isn't awful. It's been awful the last few. It's not bad this year. Added Juju. By the way, they added, um, oh my gosh, the kid, uh, the, the tight end from, from Miami, they just added, um... Oh, I'm blanking out his name. Gasecki, Mike Gasecki. They added him in free agency. Uh, it's fine. He's got some targets. They added Zeke. I don't think that's going to make much, that much of a, a difference. Zeke is, is pretty much shot at this point. But they've got some nice guys, some nice players. But they have the very definition of a limited quarterback. And I've said since Mac Jones came to the NFL, he's a backup quarterback. I've said that since the start. He has a turnover problem. He has a leadership problem. He has an arm strength problem. He has a moving in the pocket problem. And frankly, there are games I watch, I'm like... He ain't that accurate. We can blame it on the defensive coordinator calling offensive plays last year. Bailey Zappi stepped in and didn't look all that shaky, even compared to Max's best games. I've done segments about that in the past. So, Patriots aren't going anywhere this year. It's not that great of a roster, and God knows it is not that great of a quarterback. It is as limited a quarterback as there is in the National Football League. And finally, a team I've talked about today, and we've all talked about throughout the offseason, the New York Jets. What is their biggest strength? Their defense alone, their defense alone is enough to keep them in virtually every single game that they play. You consider the fact that this Jets offense was <laughs> talented, certainly, but a little, another word I just used, limited at the quarterback position with Zach Wilson and Strebler and Flacco and and White. I mean, some, just about all those, pretty much all those guys are backups. That Jets defense kept them in games. I remember that last game, the end of the season, I think Flacco might have started it. They held Miami with no Tua to 11 and lost. They held New England's limited, again, offense with Mac Jones to a field goal and lost because of a punt return. They Just those games alone, if the Jets offense does anything, that team might have made the playoffs. I'm not sure the tiebreakers would have, uh, you know, fared, but they would have been nine and eight. That might have been enough to get in the playoffs via some tiebreakers. I'm not sure if they would have gotten in um, over. Gosh, who was the seventh seed? Miami. Actually, they would have gotten in my over Miami because they would have beaten them last week of the season. If the Jets' offense is competent in some of these games, Jets made the playoffs last year. So that defense is it speaks for itself. Sauce Gardner is remarkable. He's the best corner in football already. You got Quentin Williams. You got CJ Mosley. He's a good linebacker. Very talented defense. Uh, Robert Sala is a defensive coach. He's done a great job with that side of the ball. We remember his record as the coordinator, defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Uh, and the Jets, listen, Jets offense is excellent, but we got to wait for sort of the the chemistry. We got to wait and see how that plays out in terms of how Aaron Rodgers works with some of these receivers. The Jets defense, 
Barring injury, that's a sure thing. We know that's great, and we know that that's the strength of that football team. Certainly was a year ago. I don't see any reason that that shouldn't be the case this year. But their weakness is what I talked about on the show today. They have a below-average offensive line protecting a 40-year-old quarterback. We know Aaron had the injury last year. I think it was a finger injury and didn't quite look the same. Now, some I don't think all of that was the finger. Uh, there were some arm strength issues I saw with Aaron a year ago, so there's some concerns in that regard. But that's never good, a good, you know, uh, good thing to work with. When we saw Tom Brady last year, albeit five years older at 45 and not the same player that he was, although I'd argue Aaron isn't the same player that he was, that Tampa offensive line was not good, and Tom struggled. Some of that was on Tom. Some of that was on the offensive line. I could see a little bit of both. If the Jets' season were to go sideways, that would be the biggest reason. The question is, do they make a midseason trade? Do they shift some of the guys? Again, you, you want to build, again, continuity in the offensive line. That matters a lot more than people realize. You can't just throw guys in at left guard and right tack. No, you got to have continuity at that, you know, in, in that unit. Is their best lineup good enough? That is going to be the question we have to find out. They're going to find out the answer to, but throughout training camp, and even Aaron Rodgers, who's all of a sudden Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, dancing at the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, he hasn't been all that optimistic about the Jets O-line. The best comment we've gotten thus far is, well, speaking yesterday, it's August 16th, we still have time, uh, but it's a work in progress. He used that term. It's a work in progress. We'll see. Um, but that's the biggest uh, weakness for uh, for the New York Jets. So there you go. That's my weaknesses for strengths and weaknesses. What be positive to? Strengths and weaknesses for the four teams in the AFC East. Go back through them one last time. For the Buffalo Bills, their strength is that Allen is capable of going toe-to-toe with the league's elite quarterbacks. Their weakness Offensive line and lack of depth at receiver forces Allen into being Superman. For the Dolphins, their strength. If healthy, there won't be a Sunday where their top two receivers aren't better than the opponent's top two corners with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Their weakness, however, to his health and then his consistency when healthy. For the New England Patriots, I know it's hard to find a strength, but there is one. Belichick's defense gets to the quarterback and takes the ball away. Top three in sacks and takeaways a season ago. Their weakness, if they're a quarterback whose name was limited, they have them. And finally, for the New York Jets, big expectations for them. Their strength, their defense alone, is enough to keep them in almost every game, as we saw many times a year ago. Their weakness, however, below average offensive line that is protecting a 40-year-old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He'll be 40, by the way, uh, in December. So he won't be 40 to start the season, but he'll be 40 at some point in it. So, like I said, I'll be doing that for every division. Probably do the NFC East on Monday. Probably do the NFC East, and then I'll go to the AFC North on next week. So, again, a, a... a schedule update for Carving Up Live coming at the end of the show after this next segment. So please stay tuned for that. Very, very important for uh, those who watch Carving Up Live. So very, very important. Now it's time for a new segment we just added a few weeks ago to Carving It Up. I've been thinking about this for a while. We've added it to the show. It is the one segment in all of sports where we provide a C word that is oh so lacking in our evaluation of certain stories in certain moments, context. And so now it is time for my favorite midweek segment, Carving Up the Context. Roll the clip. 
On today's edition of Carving Up the Context, I saw a story and it was, I, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm thinking this is just, this is completely lacking context. According to multiple reports, Brock Purdy in 197 training camp throws has thrown 10 interceptions. Hi guys, hi. He threw 10 picks. He threw. He threw 10. Yeah, I know it's, it's pretty pretty alarming. Except when you consider the fact that uh, it's training camp. You try throws in training camp that you don't try in regular season games. You work out the kinks mechanically and with your, uh, with your receivers against your defense. By the way, of which the Niners defense is, you know, the best in football. They have, and this is without Nick Bosa, who's holding out as we speak. They have Fred Warner, Tono Hufunga. They've got elite players in the interior defensive line. They've got Drake Greenlaw, elite players defensively. Brock Purdy will not play another defense this season that is as good as the San Francisco 49ers. Thank God for his sake, they happen to be his teammates. They happen to be helping him out to try and win football games this season for San Francisco. This whole quarterback, I've been hearing this whole quarterback controversy in San Francisco. Is it Purdy? Is it Lance? Is it Sam Darnold? I think the Niners and, and Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch have handled this situation perfectly throughout the offseason in saying if Purdy is healthy, if he recovers from this elbow surgery, which he has, he's been cleared, as we see, obviously, to throw at practice, He's the starter until proven otherwise. I think uh, John Lynch had a, a quote talk about like he would have to be truly awful. I mean, awful beyond like, oh my God, what, who, who, who is this dude? Is this the Mr. Irrelevant we drafted and not the guy that won eight starts for us last year and went eight and oh? He'd have to be truly awful to lose the job to, again, we got to remember who we're talking about here. Sam Darnold, who, and I, I really like Sam in 2018, but he's a bust. He's uh, he's going to be a backup quarterback for the rest of his career. By the way, good backup. Sam Darnold's a good backup. Won some games with Carolina last year. It was, it was, it was, he's fine. Or Trey Lance, who folks know I loved in 2021. Here's the problem. He's not accurate. At all. Not even in the slightest. Given what the Niners gave up to get him with the third overall pick, you don't think that if it was close between Lance and Purdy that they wouldn't give Lance the 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 the, the go because they didn't, they didn't start Purdy. Purdy wasn't the guy. Or, I'm sorry, sorry. They they didn't give up a lot to get Purdy. He's Mister Relevant. He's one pick away from being undrafted. And I give Kyle Shanahan a lot of props today, talking about the interceptions. He said, and I quote: "You never want interceptions in any situation. There's never one answer. Each one's different." But I definitely like having interceptions a lot more in practice than in games. And one thing Brock does is he lets it rip. He's not worried about anything else, especially not worried about people counting his interceptions at practice. That's been a real weird thing that I've seen throughout uh, all training camp. Oh, Dak's throwing this many interceptions. Like, are we really counting this? Jimmy Garoppolo, not a Jimmy G fan at all. That's again a Jimmy G in just a second for this carving up the context segment. Jimmy G throwing picks. Oh my God, the sky's falling. God forbid quarterbacks throw the ball to the other team every once in a while. Especially when it's the best defense in football. 
that Brock Purdy is practicing against. And we're going to freak out and act like, oh, he's going to have a huge regression in year two. No, let's let's not ignore the fact that in eight starts, not two, three, not, not Bailey Zappi size, like half the season, essentially, if you include the playoff games. Brock Purdy led the NFL in passer rating. You say, oh, it's the talent in San Francisco. Was Jimmy G doing that? Trey Lance doing that? Was Nick Mullins a couple years ago? Was he doing that? I don't think so. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is the second coming of Kurt Warner. No, I'm not saying that. But he's a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. He's proven that. And again, for San Francisco, they don't need him to be special. This, this whole, oh, can Brock Purdy take this big leap? He didn't have to. Folks, the San Francisco 49ers in 2019 and 2021 won a combined four playoff games, including two on the road. With Jimmy G putting up this stat line, by the way, this including their losses in those playoffs in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs and in the NFC Championship game against the eventual champion that year, Los Angeles Rams. Here's Jimmy G's playoff stats. I always bring this out every once in a while, but here it's very important. Jimmy G, 160 yards per game. That's not great. Four touchdowns, six picks, a two to three touchdown interception ratio. Uh, that's what we would call bad. 61% completion, eh, average to below average. 74 pass rating, eh, right at average, but a 4-2 and two record. Not only does the, do they not need Brock Purdy to be special, if Brock Purdy is any semblance of what he was a year ago, Niners the best team in the NFC, and it's not even close. Philly's good. Philly's good. But Dallas, we'll, we'll see. Detroit, I got them going to the conference championship game unless they play San Francisco. This team is as good as we've seen in the NFL from a roster standpoint. The fact that we are freaking out. By the way, again, can we just take a moment? He's in year two. What did I just talk about to start the show with Anthony Richardson? It takes years to see what the finished product is. What the peak of his powers is going to be. We're not even going to see that from Brock Purdy this year. We're going to see that in the future. In all likelihood with San Francisco. So this whole freaking out about the interceptions. First of all, he's practicing against the best defense in the NFL that happens to be his teammates. And you try throws in practice that you would never try in a game. By the way, people are freaking out about Deshaun Watson. I'm not high on Deshaun Watson this season, but it's not because, oh my God, he threw a pick in practice. Come on. We're overreacting. I know we're, we're desperate for football. I understand that. I'm desperate for football too. But let's not make stories where they're, it's not really not a story. It's, 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 it's a non-story. It's irrelevant. Now, Brock Purdy throws 10 picks in the first, you know, five, six weeks of the season? Okay, then that's different. Then we can have that conversation like, okay, there might have been something to that. Only time will tell. With Purdy, with Garoppolo, who I think is limited to begin with, with Dak, with Deshaun. Only time will tell. But I, again, only time will tell, but I don't think it's going to be because, oh, they're just, just handing it to the other team in practice. Especially with the Niners. That's not who we need to forget about. Forget out about. Come on. It's not, it's not, it's not go nuts here. It's not go nuts. Whew. And that is this week's edition of Carving Up the Context. I hope you enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this segment this far, though, because we had um so the first segment was about Anthony Davis and how people were talking about, oh, he's played more games than Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Since 2016, yeah, maybe that's because Steph and KD suffered two freak injuries and missed entire. Basically, well, Steph essentially missed an entire season. KD did miss an entire season because of a freak injury. One, and they were only like a few games behind Anthony Davis. 
also the fact that they're five years older than Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is way bigger than both. I would certainly hope that he would play more games than Steph and KD. That's why they've. That's why I've, I, I called him many times. Uh, AD stands for always down. Tends, tends to be on the floor a lot, holding something. It's not a shot at him. That's just the truth. That's it's what it's, it's what's been ever since you know, even back to his days in New Orleans. And then the second one, this was my this was my personal favorite uh, thus far, was when Dr. J, and then we'll get out of here, was when Dr. J was talking about, oh, Kevin Durant bouncing from team to team. Oh, my God, it's just ruining the NBA. And, you know, shouldn't count against, uh, you shouldn't shouldn't add to his resume. As a matter of fact, you should, like, subtract from it. He didn't go that far, but he was certainly implying that, which I thought was quite hilarious because Dr. J got a championship in 1983 Again, the parallels between the 82 Sixers, sorry, the 83 Sixers and the 2017 Warriors are crazy. Just to throw this out there, and then we'll get out of here for the show, and then I'll give my announcement for scheduling. You had an all-time great player, Dr. J for the Sixers, Steph Curry for the Warriors. That great player had two Hall of Fame teammates. Clay and Draymond obviously be in the Hall of Fame. They lost in the finals. Both of those teams did. Sixers in 82, Warriors in 2016. They lost the finals that year to the best player in the world. The Sixers lost to Kareem and the Lakers in 82. Magic wasn't the best player yet, neither was Bird. Kareem, that was like the last, probably the last year he's the best player on planet Earth. And the Warriors lost to the best player in the world, LeBron James, in 2016. They add Kevin Durant in 2017. The six, uh, an MVP, by the way, with no championships. The Sixers add Moses Malone, who is a three-time MVP with no championships. And the Sixers and the Warriors both win 65-plus games, lose one game the entire playoffs, and beat the team that beat them the year before. And said player that they acquired one finals MVP. The Warriors went 16 and 1 in 2017. The Sixers went 15 and 1 in 1983. Moses Malone won Finals MVP in 83. Kevin Durant won Finals MVP in 2017. The Sixers beat the Lakers, who they lost to the year before. The Warriors beat the Cavs, who they lost to a week before, a uh, year before. So when Dr. J was like, oh, how can you do such a thing? It's like, uh, all due respect, uh, Dr. J. Now, he won championships in the ABA. Let's not forget that, but you don't have any NBA championships about, about Moses Malone. And your situations are quite identical. You know what I'm saying? So folks might say, well, the Warriors recruited Kevin Durant. That's the difference. Same result, same ring, same championship, same story. Come on now. And then this is our latest edition of Carving Out the Context. Quit getting on my guy's sturdy purdy for crying out loud. It's, it's insulting. I believe in this guy ever since he made that first start against Tampa Bay last year. Okay, last, uh, last, last real quick thing. Real quick announcement, and then we'll get out of here. So, first of all, no carving up live tomorrow. No show tomorrow. Uh, happy birthday to my uh, to my little sister. It's her birthday tomorrow, so you know, you'll celebrate her. Uh, so, no show carving up live tomorrow. But I'll be back Monday. But starting next week and moving forward, carving up live will be three nights a week. However, it'll be on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So. Tonight's show, Thursday's show, is going to move to Wednesday. 
It gives us some more time, puts us right in the middle of the week, gives time to put up some clips from the previous show, uh, gives some time for some more new stories to come in. Oftentimes, Friday can be a bit one-dimensional during the NFL season where it's just I react to the Thursday night game and then I predict the games. There's not really a whole lot of stories that come in between Thursday and Friday other than the, that, that night's game. Well, there's a lot better chance of that happening between Wednesday and Friday. And I want to give you guys the best content that I can possibly uh, give you. So starting next week, Carving Up Live, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Carving Up YouTube channel, Grid YouTube channel, and Carving Up Twitter. That's that's where we're going to be, and that's going to be the new schedule moving forward. So tell everybody about it, I'll, and I'll put it on social media. Tell your friends about it. Catch Carving Up Live. Again, Monday, that doesn't change. Friday, that doesn't change. But tonight's show, Thursday's show, moves to Wednesday, moving forward. Very excited. Uh, and, again, the NFL season is three weeks away, and we're going to have plenty of content throughout the course of the ensuing five months. But, uh, listen, the NBA schedule came out today. I haven't had a chance to look at it because I've been so pumped for the NFL. we got a preseason game in a few minutes. I'm going to watch. Browns, Eagles, can't wait. Football, for crying out loud. With that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live, like I said, on Monday. At 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe, of course, to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube. As well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast is where you can find the Grid Network. Hope you will check uh, carving it up out uh, uh, over there. Also check out our other incredible content creators. I know my man uh, uh, Devin, uh, my new sort of rival. <laughs> Here on the grid, uh, he's a big Ravens fan. I'm, I'm a Steelers fan now, so we'll be going at it over the course of the season. But he just did his show essentially at the same time as mine, so that's what, another reason I'm glad I moved it to Wednesday because I want I want him to have his solo stage uh, to be able to show you what he's got outside the banks. A great show. We have other great shows on the, on the grid, so please check out his stuff. Check out our stuff right here on the network. Um, you will not regret it. We got some awesome dudes and some awesome content. There's no question about it. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Again, no show tomorrow. I'll be back on Monday. Please be safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. We got to fix this, folks. Got to fix it. Have a great weekend, y'all. See y'all on Monday. A little extended, uh, extended quick vacation. And uh, football's near, y'all. Football's near. See y'all on Monday. God bless you all. Peace out. Take us home, Poppy. Yankees lose. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, wrong. Happy birthday, Chloe. Shout out to you. Happy birthday. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.